That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast, and I'm Ada Shen in Paris. First, the news. China and the U.S. agreed to hold yet another round of trade talks in Washington in early October after a phone call with the two sides' highest-level trade officials, including China's Vice Premier Liu He, U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer, and Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin. Also on the call were Chinese Commerce Minister Zhong Shan, China's Central Bank Governor Yi Gang, and the National Development and Reform Commission's Deputy Chairman Ning Jizhe. The news comes amid threats from both sides to raise tariffs on billions more dollars of goods. There is a chance that China's dominant ride-hailing company Didi Chuxing could be removed from app stores if it doesn't clean up its act, or so the Shanghai government has threatened. The Shanghai Municipal Transportation Commission made the threat again after finding Didi for a violation of ride-hailing regulations. Since July, the commission has cited Didi's Shanghai operation for at least 100 violations, amounting to 1.4 million U.S. dollars in fines, according to an official statement. The regulator went on to accuse Didi of not doing enough to make sure its vehicles and drivers meet local safety regulations, and accused Didi of trying to game the system to sidestep regulations. One example the commission gave was the practice of Didi drivers dodging Shanghai's ride-hailing regulations by registering on the platform in other cities where the rules aren't as strict, and returning to drive in Shanghai. Alibaba, China's largest e-commerce company by market share, said it will pay two billion dollars to acquire cross-border e-commerce platform Kaola from NetEase. The announcement, which comes after Caixin reported a potential deal last month, marks the latest consolidation in China's ultra-competitive online shopping market. NetEase Kaola is the biggest import retail e-commerce platform in China and is an arch rival of Alibaba's Tmall Global. Kaola will continue to operate independently under its brand, according to the announcement. Analysts said the purchase could help Alibaba confront the challenges posed by fast-growing Pinduoduo, a Tencent-backed online group discounter. 
There were frenzied scenes at the opening of the first Chinese mainland branch of U.S. wholesale giant Costco in Shanghai last week. Midway through its first day, the store had to close early as bargain hunters created chaos, pushing and shoving their way through the store in search of the best deals. Items from the chain, which focuses on selling products to its members in bulk at a low cost, have long been sought after by Chinese consumers. Its snacks and brand-name clothes have long been a mainstay for cross-border e-commerce platforms and individual agents known as Daigo. The high-profile store opening, which made headlines around the world, comes despite growing trade tensions between the United States and China. The company's push into brick-and-mortar Chinese retail, five years after it opened an online store in the country, also goes against the tide, as many of its global retail peers are retreating from the country. Analysts have expressed doubt about whether Costco's business model will translate well to China. Membership-only, bulk-buying retail is rare in China, partly because fewer Chinese consumers are interested in fee-paying memberships. Costco's model in North America has been based on families buying bargain products in bulk, transporting them in their cars, and then storing them at home. Costco faces a very different market in China, where most city dwellers prefer to shop frequently and haven't embraced buying in bulk. In the smartphone app world, dating platform Momo released a face swap or deepfake app called Zhao, whose popularity soon turned to privacy concerns after it was revealed that the user agreement gave Momo permanent global rights over people's images they submitted. Once authorities got involved, Momo's shares had fallen nearly 7%. Momo said it will update the user agreement. Meanwhile, Weibo released an Instagram knockoff, with netizens smirking about its similarities to the Facebook-owned photo app, but what got it pulled from app stores was its logo, which was found to be identical to a South Korean company's. Weibo said it will change the design. U.S. plant-based meat producer Impossible Foods is seeking to bring its alternative meat product to dining tables in China, but regulatory hurdles will pose the biggest uncertainty of its journey. Impossible Foods, which produces synthetic meat products using soy and other plants, is in talks with several Chinese companies for a potential partnership to tap the world's largest meat-consuming market. The ambitious company has the backing of heavy hitters, including Bill Gates and Li Kaxing. But Impossible Foods will need to clear regulatory hurdles to enter the Chinese market because of the country's cautious attitude towards GMO crops. The company uses GMO soy to create a substance that gives its faux meat products a meaty taste. China does not permit planting of GMO soybeans and requires permits for GMO crop imports. Controversial artificial intelligence specialist and IPO candidate Meg V is finding itself at the center of yet another debate this time on how its products may infringe on students' privacy. The buzz is coming from chatter over a photo that went viral online, taken from an event where Meg V's software was hard at work, monitoring and analyzing teenage students' class behaviors. The product can analyze all kinds of behavior, from the more obvious, like you know how often somebody raises their hand, to more subtle behaviors, like how often the student pays attention to the teacher by detecting body and facial movements. The post triggered concern and criticism from netizens who said Meg V was jeopardizing students' privacy and their right to explore campus life in their own way. Meg V responded on its official Weibo account by saying that the viral photo was one product demonstration without directly responding to the concerns. 
Huawei introduced its new 5G chip that will power the company's coming Mate 30 smartphones, the world's first all-in-one 5G system on a chip, at a trade show in Berlin. The Kirin 990 chip boasts better performance compared with existing rivals that feature 5G modems paired with older generation 4G systems, Huawei said. Users can expect download speeds as high as 2.3 gigabits per second and upload speeds as high as 1.25 gigabits per second. The Huawei Mate 30 series of smartphones is expected to launch later this month. Huawei released its first commercial 5G handset, the Mate 20, in China last month. The phone was met with an enthusiastic response from consumers, despite the current limitations of the country's 5G mobile internet networks. Thanks, Ada. Let's turn now to Olivia Ryan, reporter for Tyson Global, to talk about one of the big stories in the news this week about a transmissible disease that's spreading now in China, dengue fever. I don't know much about the disease, Olivia, except um, for, you know, how it's spread. So maybe you can break it down for us. Dengue fever is a virus that's transmitted by mosquitoes, typically the Asian tiger mosquito, it's called. But it basically just causes a high fever, headaches, muscle and joint pain, and rashes. It's not normally fatal, but can be in rare cases. Okay, so now that we know roughly what it is, uh, why is dengue fever in the news this week? So earlier this week, Saishin reported that there had been an outbreak of about 200 cases of dengue fever in a small city in Jiangxi province, which is weird because Jiangxi is not normally a place for dengue fever to occur. The last cases were in 2017 when there were only three cases. So for it to suddenly jump is kind of interesting. Then after our story came out, the government confirmed that there were not just 200 cases, but more than 600 and that was in adjacent cities, basically. And what do we know about why it's happening and and where it might have come from? So it came out that recently there was a direct flight from the capital of Jiangxi province down to Sihanoukville in Cambodia. And in Cambodia, they have a pretty big outbreak of dengue fever. It's very common there. It's a monsoon climate, lots of mosquitoes. Asian tiger mosquitoes are very, very common there. There have been just under 1,200 cases of dengue fever so far reported in Cambodia. And after this direct flight began back in June, there started to be reports of dengue fever in Jiangxi province. So the government believes that what has happened is either a mosquito has gotten trapped on board one of the planes and gotten a free ride up to China, or uh, what's more likely is that someone was infected with dengue fever in Cambodia, came back, and while it can't be transmitted human to human, if a mosquito then bit them, someone who's already infected, then that mosquito gets it and can transmit it on to other people. Finally, Olivia, do we know what health officials in Jiangxi or or in Beijing are doing about this, um, how this is going to play out, uh, what the public health ramifications are for this? Unfortunately, there's not that much that can be really done on a grassroots level other than just sort of avoid getting being bitten, flip over empty containers so that mosquitoes aren't tempted to lay their eggs there. However, uh, back in July, a lab in Guangzhou came out with these really interesting results where they were able to reduce a mosquito population on an island in Guangzhou by 94% using a, a technique that I will go into in the story that will be out probably next week, talking about how they've developed this way to manage mosquito populations. Well, we may just have to have you back on to talk about that. It sounds very interesting. Great talking to you, Olivia. Thanks so much. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is powered by SubChina and is produced by Kaiser Guo and Tanner Brown with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. 
Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen. Special thanks to Lee Xin of Tyson Global and to Spring and Autumn and Ufei for the music. Be sure to check out all the other shows about contemporary China in the expanding Seneca Network. And be sure to follow the news from China every day at SupChina. Subscribe to our newsletter at SupChina.com. Take care.